I'd like to speak to the manager. You ever heard anybody say that? Have you ever said that? I'd like to speak to the manager. It's usually something that's said when things have gone terribly wrong. Things are not the way they are supposed to be. Expectations are not being met. I'd like to speak to the manager. Often it's in a restaurant setting or some kind of consumer experience, but increasingly lately I sense that there's something in us that wants to speak to the manager of this whole situation (laughs) called human history. It's on a much grander, much more massive scale than something going wrong in a restaurant. Things are not the way they are supposed to be. Expectations are not being met. The situation is unraveling. And there's something in us, I think, that would like to speak to the manager. We would like to know, is there someone still in charge? Is there somebody who has the answers to how this whole thing is supposed to go, to how this whole thing might end? And over the last several weeks, as I've mentioned casually that we're going to be preaching on the book of Revelation in the month of August, I hear a lot of, seen a lot of people kind of leaning in saying, oh, really, Revelation? (laughs) Because I think there's something in us that really wants to know how this whole thing is going to end. We want to know, is there someone still in charge? Is there someone who has the answers? We want to fast forward to the end of the movie to see how things wrap up. And we sense that in the book of Revelation, we might have some answers in there. Well, fortunately, by the Holy Spirit's revelation to John, we get to go to the manager's office tonight. We get to go into the throne room of God. We get to meet the one who is in charge, according to the Bible. We get to go and talk to the person who knows the answers, who knows how this whole thing is supposed to go, how this whole thing is supposed to to end. So let's open our Bibles together to go into the manager's office, the throne room of God, and see if we can get some answers. Revelation 5, beginning with the first verse. This is the vision of John. A vision is simply a picture that the Holy Spirit gives that points to ultimate realities. A vision is a picture that the Holy Spirit gives that points to ultimate realities. So let's step into this vision, into the throne room of God, to find the one who's in charge. Then, John says, I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne... A scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who's worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? There's an assumption in the text, there's an assumption that John seems to know, which is that whatever is written on this scroll contains the answers, contains the answers to how this whole thing is supposed to go, to how this whole thing is supposed to end. John was someone who was living in a world full of turmoil. John was someone who was living in a world where things were not the way they were supposed to go. Expectations were not being met. Things were unraveling. I wonder if John was sitting there thinking, I'd like to speak to the manager. And here he gets an opportunity. He's seeing the throne room of heaven. He's seeing God the Father on the throne with a scroll in his hand. And John knows and wants us to know that whatever is written on that scroll contains these answers that we're all wondering about and searching for. Continuing in verse 3. No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll 
or to look into it. Can you imagine finally getting to the manager's office where all the answers might be, but the manager's not there? How would you feel? Verse 4, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Here is John in a world that was falling apart at the seams, finally getting this chance, finally getting this vision, this window, this picture into heaven, into the throne room of heaven to find out who is in charge of this whole operation. And there's a scroll where the answers are written, but there's no one worthy to open the scroll. So John does the only appropriate response that any one of us would do. He weeps. He weeps loudly. And this right here, this picture of John weeping in many ways, is a picture of many of us right now. We're looking around at the world that's falling apart at the seams where things are not the way they are supposed to be. Maybe we believe that there is someone on the throne. We haven't lost faith that there is a God. But we're like John is right here in this verse. We're wondering, does God really have the answers? I'm kind of wondering. And so we're in a position of lament. Even Christians or in a posture of lament right here. But the story continues. There's more, Christian. There's hope. Verse 5. One of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. The lion? The lion of the tribe of Judah right here in this part of the text I am picturing in my mind's eye, Aslan. And I'm picturing Peter and Edmund and Lucy and Susan when everything's falling apart in Narnia, when things are not going the way they are supposed to go, but they hear this rumor, Aslan is on the move. We were just watching the Chronicles of Narnia on our television earlier today in the last battle when the white witch seems to be winning, but suddenly this mighty roaring lion Aslan appears on this stone mountain and everything feels for a moment like it's going to be okay. Aslan is coming. He can open the scroll. He can tell us how this whole thing is going to go. Yes. Verse 6. See how Aslan, how the Lion of Judah appears between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth and he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And I wonder what John is thinking right now. He's picturing the lion appearing, the lion who conquered, and he looks to where the lion might be, the one who's going to come and take the scroll, but there's no lion there anymore. Now this figure appears as a lamb. We've gone from a very strong king of the jungle type of creature to a pathetic, weak sheep not only that, it's a lamb who has been slain. It's a lamb with a slit in its throat. What's happening here? How can the one who has all the answers, the one who knows what's in the scroll, the one who's worthy to open the scroll, 
How can it be a weak, pathetic creature? How can that figure have the answers? We have to hold that question in tension for just a couple of verses as we see the way the beings in heaven around the throne, in the throne room, how they respond when they see the promise of a lion coming, but instead a lamb who was slain appearing. Uh, Verse 7 He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. I just want us to look at these golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints for a moment. Imagine this. Imagine all the prayers that have ever been prayed by all the saints, that's you and me in all of history. That beautiful, heartfelt, awesome prayer from Gina just a couple of minutes ago. I heard so much resonance in the congregation as she prayed those words for the people of Haiti, for the people of Afghanistan. When we pray when our world is in turmoil, when we offer up our lament even, like John did just a moment ago, when we say, Lord, will you help so-and-so? Will you help me? Will you come and begin to mend all that is broken when we pray. Those prayers aren't wasted. Those prayers don't just disappear like vapor. Those prayers are collected. Those prayers are collected and they are presented into the throne room of God. Golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, how do the beings in the heavenlies begin to react when they see all this is happening? when they see that a lamb who was slain is worthy to open the scroll, not some strong, powerful figure like a lion, but both a lion and a lamb. Verse 9, they sang a new song. And here we begin to see the answer to why a slain lamb is the only one who is worthy to open the scroll, to open the scroll that has all the answers of how this is all going to go. They sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you, O lion and lamb, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on earth. You see, there's meaning and there's purpose to this lamb who had been slain. We were expecting a strong, mighty warrior. We were expecting Aslan. We were expecting somebody who could come and conquer all those people and things that are making everything go wrong in the world. But instead, we get this lamb who was slain. Why? Because there's purpose in that. There's purpose in the sacrificial lamb, in the blood of the lamb. What has that blood done? By your blood, you, Jesus, ransomed people for God. A ransom is a price that's paid for somebody who is in captivity. A ransom is a price that's paid for somebody who is held captive by an evil force. And when we look around at the entire world, all that is broken, all the things that are wrong, it's not those people out there who are breaking all of our good stuff. No, what's wrong in our world is also what's wrong in our hearts. It's the condition of sin, capital S, sin. And sin holds us captive. It makes us prisoners. 
It makes us selfish and it makes us self-serving and it makes us trample over the rights and the, the, the person of others so that we can self-advance. And it runs in through the heart of every single human being and it holds us captive. But God sent a ransom. God would pay the price to free us from that captivity, but it would require the highest price possible, the price of his very own blood. Because all of the sin that all of us carry, all of the captivity that we are bound to, requires a punishment. It requires a consequence. And the punishment is death because God is just. But God in his love and in his grace, he said, I don't want them to pay the punishment. I don't want them to take the consequence. I will die in their place. And so a sacrificial lamb was sent and he was slain. And that sacrificial lamb is Jesus. The one who sits at the right hand of God the one who is mightier than Aslan became like a lamb, a sacrificial lamb, so that the ransom price could be paid so we could be set free. That's what makes him worthy. He knows the way the whole story is going to end because he's begun already on the cross dealing with all the things that make the world broken in the first place. He's already begun paying the price. He has paid the price, but he's begun his sovereign plan of bringing it all to full culmination in a new heaven and a new earth. By his blood, we have been ransomed. We are made a people for God. He's worthy. Okay, awesome. But maybe you're still wondering what's on the scroll. We can speak to the manager. We can speak to the one who's in charge. We can speak to Jesus. He seems to have a plan unfolding. and He's, he's worthy to break the seal and open the scroll where seemingly everything is written on there. All the answers are written on there of how this whole thing is going to turn out, how this whole thing is going to end. What does it say on, on the scroll? And I began reading commentaries to find out what was on the scroll. I pulled out every commentary in my office and I pulled them out of my desk and I was looking and I read various various. Um, theories of what's on the scroll. And I realized these guys don't really know what they're talking about. And I began pouring through Revelation. I read the entire book of Revelation to find out where we get to know what's on the scroll. And then it occurred to me, it's, we're not worthy. Only one is worthy to know what's on the scroll and we're not him. I poured through those commentaries. I poured through Revelation only to find Revelation 10, verse 7, where it kind of gets to the end of where the, all the seals are broken open. You might be able to find out what's on there. And it says this, Revelation 10, verse 7. In the last days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled. That's the best clue we have to what's written on the scrolls. It's a mystery. And it dawned on me. He is worthy. I don't have to know what's on the scroll. See, often when we say, I want to speak to the manager, I want to know the answers. I want to know what's written on that scroll. I want to know how this whole thing is going to end. When we say, I want to speak to the manager, what we're really saying is, I want to manage the manager. Because clearly the manager doesn't know what he's doing around here. He needs to hear from me. And I kind of felt that a little bit in my study. I'm just being honest with you. When I was pointing through those commentaries, I had to know what was on that scroll. I was curious. I wanted to know, how is this whole thing going to end? And God revealed to me 
that I was looking for answers that I don't need to know. And often when we think about that, when someone tells us there's someone else who's in charge and it's not you, there's someone else who has the answers that you don't know, what we often are led to in our hearts is, is panic. But I, I need to know. I, I need to know how this thing's going to end. You guys are preaching on Revelation? I, I'll, I'll tune in. I want to know what's going on in this world. And it's troubling for us on some level to realize that we don't ever get to know what's written on the scroll, but he knows he's worthy. But think about this with me for a moment. There's greater comfort in not knowing. I've had a lot of people ask me over the years about my end times theology, my eschatology. Nathan, are you, are you pre-trib or are you post-trib? And they want to know. And I often say, I'm pan-trib. I say, I'm pan-trib? I've never heard of that. What's that? I believe it's all going to pan out in the end. That's what I tell them. Picture this with me. Picture this with me. When my children were, were really little, when they were babies and toddlers, we would drive from Michigan to Connecticut and back for the family vacation. And the kids would be in their car seats in the back, and sometimes we would hit a lot of traffic. We would go through accidents or storms. And no matter what was going on outside in the car, if we were driving at night or during nap time, I would look in the back seat of the car where the children would be in their car seats sound asleep. Why can a child sleep soundly in a car when all hell is breaking loose outside the car? Because they don't know. It hasn't occurred to the child that they should know where this whole thing is going. And we get ourselves into trouble. We get ourselves into anxiety, I think, when we demand that God gives us the answers. We're like a child in a car seat saying, I'll take the wheel, please. But there's something in this. This was just really striking me as I was studying the scripture to preach to you tonight. That we never get to find out what's on the scroll. I was led to worship, actually. To say he's worthy. He's in charge. I'm going to invite the band up at this point. There's a song that was written based on Revelation 5. And it's a beautiful way of just allowing us to enter into that worshipful state, that childlike faith, as we consider the worthiness of Jesus Christ, the sovereignty of God. And as they're beginning to play these notes, I'm just going to read the remainder of the passage. You might even want to close your eyes as I read this to you, as you picture the way heaven responds to the lion who looks like a slain lamb who takes the scroll and begins opening it seal by seal. Listen or picture the way heaven responds. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands 
saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever.
Is he worthy? Is he worthy?